I released the book of basketball in 2009. I swore I was done. What else was there to say? The book was 704 pages long. I figured out the secret of basketball with help from Isaiah Thomas, then used it to rank the top 96 players of all time. I blew up the Basketball Hall of Fame and turned it into a five-level Egyptian pyramid. I figured out the 33 greatest what-ifs ever. I solved every MVP debate. I made the case for Russell over Wilt. I explained why MJ was the greatest ever. I wrote hundreds of pop culture references, at least 250 inappropriate jokes, and God knows how many footnotes. I even drove to San Diego for the epilogue to spend time with Bill Walton. And when the book reached number one on the New York Times bestseller list, that was all I ever wanted. I was done. I swore to myself I would never do a sequel. Well, I kind of lied. So much has changed in the NBA these past 10 years. I couldn't help going back. Who could have seen the three-point boom coming? Curry's Warriors going 73-9? and nine? The Harden trade? The player empowerment era? The process? Advanced metrics? The decision? Cleveland winning a title? I repeat, Cleveland winning a title? Well, why write a sequel when I could turn that book into a living, breathing podcast, something that juggled interviews and pyramid podcasts and rewatchable game podcasts about famous games? What's my top 100 now? What's my pyramid? What's the new biggest what if of all time? Could the 86 Celtics have handled the 17 Warriors and all those threes? What did I learn from spending so much time over the last years with people like Bill Russell, Magic Johnson, Kevin Durant, Jalen Rose, Isaiah Thomas, and so many others? Think of it as my basketball book coming to life in audio form, reinvented, reincarnated, retooled, recreated for 2019 and beyond. It's the book of basketball 2.0. It's launching on November 6th. Presented by State Farm. See you there. To Ringer Dish, a podcast feed about celebrities and pop culture and American sweethearts. I'm Amanda Dobbins. I'm Andrew Grididaro. And we are here today to talk about a television star. Oh, yeah. A movie star, sort of. <laughs> a tabloid fixture, for sure. And sort of a celebrity archetype for the past 20 or 30 years. Her name is Jennifer Aniston. Heard of her? Have you heard of her? <laughs> We're talking about Jennifer Aniston today because she has returned to television after almost 20 years as the star of Apple Plus's morning show, a show that is in many ways a comment on the idea of Jennifer Aniston as a public figure. It is also the most watchable, discussed (laughs) show that I have uh, encountered in recent memory. Note, I didn't say that it was great, but Andrew, Mm -hmm. you and I were going to talk about it in great detail on the second half of this (laughs) podcast. But first, Andrew, let's talk about the two and a half decades that brought us to this moment. We need to talk about Jennifer Aniston. She is, I think, even more of a fascinating celebrity figure than I realized when I decided to do this podcast with you. Yeah. I think, like, you go back and you're like, oh, wow. Like, the fascination that was around her and also just the fact that she kind of explains, like, celebrities in the 21st century. Totally. Especially, I think, from, you know, what we're going to talk about the Friends moment and then we'll talk about like the 2000s moment. But both as a a TV star and pop culturally being Mm -hmm. very relevant and also just kind of her place in like the celebrity machinery of the early 2000s and the Us Weekly of it all. And being as famous as she was for what she was famous for is increasingly rare and pretty bizarre in retrospect. Yes, the fascination around her and around the chapters of her life have, like, at a peak. I think you and I both yesterday is doing this research where, like, I can't believe we participated in this and that this will happen. So we're going (laughs) to talk about that. Yeah, we all made mistakes. Yeah, but let's let's start from the beginning. We should start with friends. Rachel? Oh, God, Monica, hi. Thank God. I just went to your building and you weren't there and then this guy with a big hammer said that you might be here and you are, you are. Can I get you some coffee? Decaf. (laughs) And we should start with the kind of instant celebrity that Jennifer Aniston achieved from being on one of the two most important shows of the 90s. Yeah. Friends? Definitely. Did you also watch Friends in the 90s? Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, wow. Well, like, I wasn't... I wasn't uh, old enough to be in the Friends audience when the show was actually on. But I was definitely, like, 
hyper aware of it because my entire family was watching it. I thought this was a safe space. I literally wrote on our outline, we watched this show in the 90s. But, uh. but I should have remembered. It is true. So Friends debuted in 1994. And yeah. I do remember like negotiating with my parents to be able to watch Friends. Right, yeah, yeah. Because it had some, quote, adult themes, I suppose, for a 10-year-old. For sure. It was like the two shows I remember negotiating were the <laughs> first season of Nine Hundred Two One Zero, and specifically the prom episode when Brenda uh, loses oh, her virginity God. to what a show. to Dylan. And then Friends, where I, I just really had to – I remember standing in the kitchen making a case to my parents being like, it's really important that you let me watch this <laughs> show. And it's okay. And they're like, there are some inappropriate jokes. And I was like, I'm going to learn about them anyway. <laughs> because it was Did such, you win that argument? Yes, I did. And there I watched Friends on Thursday night. <laughs> Every week for a decade because it was on mm-hmm. from 1994 to 2004. But it was so central to pop culture at that moment because, like, we only had three or four TV yeah. channels. And it was the show. Everyone couldn't stop talking about it. And a lot of that was because of Jennifer Aniston. She catapulted to pretty instant fame. Yeah, I think I, like, I knew about, you know, the haircut and yeah that whole thing but do you want to do you want to explain that so, yeah you want to talk about the rachel in season one rachel had a a haircut that how do you describe it, it it's like oval oval shaped around her face yeah it's a long shaggy bob uh-huh. is essentially a lot of layers yeah i think it's when the basic women of america first became aware of the concept of layers yeah and especially long layers which now plagues many of us to this day <laughs> and that's the whole thing right it's it's just like an entire nation latching onto a thing you better believe i walked in a supercuts <laughs> with a fo- like a photograph right. of jennifer aniston like age 11 it's, i really did i don't know who was they wouldn't let me watch the show but yeah. they would let me walk into supercuts <laughs> and ask for the rachel what kind of parenting is that <laughs> Well, it's like, yeah, and you're like one of hundreds and thousands of people who probably yes, did this. Yeah. And I forgot the extent of that. Yeah. To the fact that she and Rachel, and I guess the Friends cast in general, was sort of like acting as a template of how people wanted to model themselves. Yeah, because I think Friends, the nature of the show was like your family. Yeah. Your friends are your family, especially in your 20s. And mm-hmm. it had that hangout vibe in the ensemble cast and people wanted to be around it. But even within the context of that ensemble show, Jennifer Aniston as Rachel was, yes, she was the star. Mm-hmm. Because the Ross and Rachel thing started pretty much early in season one. And she was also the breakout talent. The thing that we should say in all of this, and I want to talk more about her haircut because like, <laughs> How Jennifer Aniston looks has always been, and people's obsession with her looks yeah. has been a big part of her identity as long as she's been famous. But um, she's also a great comedic actress. She's very funny on Friends. I kind of think we take it for granted now. Totally. And she's like a, if you go back and watch, she is, she is like a powerhouse in on that show. And she is magnetic in a way that not all of the other actors are. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, you lie. <laughs> you don't think I'd go up to her? Ross, it took you 10 years to finally admit you liked me. The timing and yeah. the the chemistry with other people on the show, that's pretty rare. And it, like, mm-hmm. it comes together pretty quickly. The reason that oh, this yeah. show was kind of an overnight success is because she and that cast had a lot of the patter down. We should note that she got nominated for five Emmys. Yeah, that's crazy. Though, interestingly, like in the second half of the Friends run, yeah, not immediately is that is is that like a thing? Like, oh, we messed up, so here I, you go. I mean, I also I assume I was reading a profile from, I don't, I think it was like early two thousands, and they called her late season work like the best it's ever been. Okay, which I'm like trying to place that, like I guess. That's when she's like having a child and also dating Joey, which was troubling. Yeah, that was unfair. Um, I feel like mid season, once, you know, once she and Ross break up. Yeah. And then he marries Emily. Yeah. Her whole Bloomingdale's thing after that is after that, uh-huh. right? And uh, that's yeah. when she gets a career and she starts dating Tate Donovan. On the on screen oh. and off screen, apparently good stuff. Yeah, and kind of Rachel actually becomes a a person a, on her own, like a, actually a, a yeah. grown up. Yeah, and so there's there's some good stuff in that middle era. The late stuff, once they're all just when she's dating Joey. I mean, I don't know what to say about that. 
you know. It's you can skip it. Sitcoms, different beast. Yeah. So she became famous pretty much instantly. And between the Rachel and kind of the weird way that we covered celebrities in the mid-90s, mm-hmm. there was a huge amount of emphasis placed on her looks. I mean, obviously she's very attractive, has always been very attractive, but it was like really open about it. You pointed me to a 90s profile of her in Rolling Ugh. Stone, which is kind of the strangest thing I've read in some time. And I, we're about to talk about Us Weekly <laughs> in the 2000s. Yeah. So that's really saying something. It's shocking, right? Yeah. Like... First of all, the deck of it is she's not just America's first hairdo. She's interesting. Right. Which is literally how we were talking about <laughs> the most famous actresses. And and by the way, that's when actresses were yeah. the most famous celebrities in the world. So one of the most famous women in America. Mm-hmm. She's not just America's first hairdo. <laughs> she's interesting. It's incredible that yeah. that went to press. And then the, there are like so many quotes devoted to just like asking uh, Lisa Kudrow to be like, what do you think about her haircut? It's amazing. Yeah. And there are just a million sentences where he's just like, she walks around looking great. She the, looks great. The last, she looks great. The last line is she walks away and looks great doing so. I mean, some of this is just like the basic yeah. gross sexism and chauvinism baked into yeah. magazines, but specifically Rolling Stone in the 90s, which I guess we've we've all moved on. <laughs> Right? Yeah, we got better. Who would have thought that society has gotten better? But it is, it's really, really, it's really weird. Uh And I think just kind of signifies how, I mean, she was really famous, but also like the image of Jennifer Aniston was so central to who and what she looked like. And the paparazzi photos and all that stuff, even before the celebrity, like kind of complex. Yeah, this sprung up around her. It it was a really, really intense kind of strange fixation. This Rolling Stone piece is from 1996. Yeah. And she's already sort of speaking about her her weariness in, in terms of the paparazzi. Right. And like it it's just beginning. Right. You know? It's only it gets so much worse. Great segue because <laughs> we should move to 1998, when she's on Friends, as famous as she is, already a paparazzi fascination, then she meets someone in Brad Pitt. Yeah, pretty famous himself. So they met in 1998, and they got married in 2000. Mm-hmm. I had not remembered that it was that quick, <laughs> but that's great for them when you know you know, I guess, until mm-hmm. you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, coverage of their wedding in 2000 is another really, really excellent pop cultural moment. I remember this at the time. The wedding was a million dollars. It's kind of the first we have invasive helicopter paparazzi yeah. shots of yeah, yeah, a wedding yeah. that I and recall. We're actively counteracting that. Right. And I have, there's a list of just totally unsubstantiated <laughs> facts about this wedding that I believe are called primarily from, it's on latintimes.com. This is called from the Mirror, uh, the UK tabloid, The Mirror, which is how you know that it's made up. Right. Um, I do believe that it was it. It is true that the wedding was in Malibu. Yeah. They spent a hundred thousand dollars banning parking leading to the venue, mm-hmm. and Pitt wanted the wedding ceremony in a Zen garden, so they spent seventy five thousand dollars on flowers. What else? <laughs> there was fireworks apparently scored to Radiohead and garbage. Sure. Wow. <laughs> Two thousand. <laughs> To achieve a romantic wedding reception, Aniston ordered countless brown sugar candles from Thailand. Mm, okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't really know. But this was a very big deal. And yeah. the amount it's of— It's like a royal wedding. It was like a royal wedding. And it, there was a big exclusive in People, and I think they did, like, release a photograph to People. Mm-hmm. And they were the, quote, golden couple— it's like, it's just such, at that time, it's such a powerful combination of people. Just the, the like, one of the most famous actresses and, mm-hmm. like, a top three famous actor. Right. And he, just 1999 unreal. is when he does Fight Club. Mm-hmm. It's kind of when Brad Pitt goes from beautiful beefcake and Thelma and Louise to a guy who works with directors, yeah. serious directors, and is like, I'm a, I'm a movie star. Mm-hmm. So it's... 
you know, obviously even before what happens, which, you know, if 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 I'm spoiling what's happening for you, then I'm not sure how you found <laughs> yourself you on this, pod- this podcast. podcast. Thank you. We welcome you. <laughs> but it, you do kind of forget that even before the Brangelina of it all, which we'll discuss, they were a, a massive deal. Yeah. And, and also, and just extremely successful, both of them. Like Jennifer Aniston was as successful as you could be. Yeah. In Hollywood, basically. That's like around the same time as the million dollar per episode yes, Friends deal. totally. And they're just on top of the world. Totally. Yeah. And so they turned that out until 2004. Yes. And it's 2004 is interesting because Friends ends. Right. And Brangelina happens, I think, 2004, 2005. Yep. It was the shock heard round the world, the breakup of Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston. How could it have happened to Hollywood's golden couple? And what did Angelina Jolie have to do with it? Now, for the first time, Jennifer Aniston is speaking out in a very candid interview. And that's what's so interesting about Jennifer Aniston is that her career stuff, which, like, she is successful on her own and has made a ton of money and is a great actress, but has always been so intertwined in her personal stuff and that it really happened at the same time. And kind of she just undergoes, like, a complete public transformation in 2005 both it right. is fascinating and it kind of I don't want to say like the bottom drops out but mm. it it gets pretty gnarly pretty quickly yeah uh the the team Jolie versus team Aniston stuff just it's so strange looking back on this how little Brad Pitt was held accountable zero it's crazy zero <laughs> And, like, it just turns into a dissection of both Angelina and Jennifer. And just the fact that we're choosing teams and that was what it was all about. And sort of then painting Jennifer Aniston into this sad corner is really tough. I showed you an Us Weekly cover from, I believe, even before they break up. I think this is 2003. But Mm. it is... uh, Courtney Cox, her friend's co-star, and Jennifer Aniston on the cover of Us Weekly, and they're hugging each other. And the headline is, I swear to God, will they ever have babies? (laughs) Question mark. (laughs) And one thing that I had kind of blocked out from the Brangelina narrative was this constant thing of Jennifer Aniston didn't want children and Mm -hmm. Brad Pitt did. And this, like, public shaming of the reason that Jennifer Aniston got dumped is because she wouldn't give Brad Pitt a child. And I was kind of like, oh, you know, that was just— unenlightened people in the internet comments before we really had internet comments. Mm-hmm. No, no. That yeah, was literally on the cover of Us Weekly. It's the whole narrative. Yeah. It's like central to the to the story. And there are multiple covers you can scroll through the archive. Like literally, Us Weekly is promoting it. Google Jennifer Aniston yeah. Us Weekly covers and you can just go through why she didn't want kids, why Brad did want kids. Yeah. Maybe she's changing her mind about kids. Like, nope, no kids. Now Brad Pitt has other kids. <laughs> right. And like the first time that Brad and Angelina are, like, officially seen together mm-hmm. after this whole thing. He's with Maddox. And so that's a whole, like, did Brad Pitt leave because right. he could ha- he could be a father elsewhere? It was only 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it honestly feels like another lifetime. Yeah. I <laughs> cannot believe that I bought—I feel complicit for having bought these Us Weekly covers and participated in it. Even mm-hmm. though, I mean, it was so fascinating. I'll never forget— the Us Weekly cover that were the paparazzi photos of Brad Pitt and mm-hmm. Angelina Jolie on the beach somewhere. Yeah. And it was like, oh, confirmed that they're together. Yeah. And just, I mean, like, it's sort of a perfect storm, right? Because Angelina Jolie is also so much is ascribed to her before this between, like, the Billy Bob Thornton years. And she's sort of, like, seen as this like sex symbol mm-hmm. that absolutely in contrast to Jen's sort of more like girl next door thing. And it's just a really easy thing to paint together for people. Yes. Though I think you're hundred percent right. Yeah. It's interesting because Jennifer Aniston kind of leans into it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to talk about the Vanity Fair cover, but first I want to talk about everything that she does after friends career wise. <laughs> Yeah. I I put Tough this in face. our I, pu- I put this in our outline as quote like phase two because mm-hmm. I really don't know what else to say besides like this disaster. I'm gonna read a decade's worth of bad movies to you. 
Okay. okay. No, yeah. I'm not going to read all of these. There are too many of them. <laughs> There's a lot. But there are so, okay. So rumor has it wasn't that bad. And Friends with Money, that's a good one. That's 2005, mm-hmm. 2006. That's right mm-hmm. after, that's in the middle of the Brangelina stuff and right after Friends. And it was kind of like, oh, interesting. Yeah. The TV star is going to make like interesting movies. Sure. Why not? Okay. Breakup, which I saw a month before I graduated from college in New Hampshire. And that was a real low point for me. Yeah, it's a tough movie. Um, Marley and Me. <laughs> He's just not that into you. The Switch, which is the stealing sperm with a turkey baster movie, yep. right? Yep. Okay. Uh, just go with it. Horrible Bosses. We're the Millers. Horrible Bosses 2. Mm-hmm. Mother's Day. Office Christmas Party. Mm-hmm. Dumplin' and Murder Mystery. That's not all of them. I skipped some of them. Yeah. There's a lot of Jason Bateman movies. In There's there. a lot of Jason Bateman movies. There are some Adam Sandler movies. There's a ton of movies where she's just playing someone's girlfriend. It's a certain type of comedy, if you will. Yep. Several of these movies made, were successes. The Breakup, Marley and Me, Just Go With It, Horrible Bosses, We're the Millers. They all made $100 million, at least, at the box office. Yep. Netflix claims that 75 million people watched Murder Mystery, which came out this year, which, uh, you know, who can know Maybe. for sure? <laughs> yeah. These are popular movies. Would you say that any of them are good? You want to defend any of these? Uh, I don't think I can defend okay. any of them. They yeah. are all pretty tough, tough hangs. And Marley and Me is a very sad movie about a dog dying. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the internet storm when it, everyone was like, wait, the dog dies? Why'd you make a movie about a dog dying? Yeah. yeah. And like the fact that she's in Mother's Day and he's just not that into you, that sort of like ensemble swing, like all really tough. These are broad comedies yep. you know it's like she's taking certain lessons of the means of friends which is that a yes. mass audience everyone wants to watch this movie i'm making comedy for everybody and is just applying the lowest common denominator lessons of that to her career yeah at a time when comedy was going in like the exact opposite direction yeah that's a great point i mean it's hard to argue with some of these movies making so much money but the things that were being appreciated right. were a complete different style. And it's this. also, with the exception of Bridesmaids, it's not like women were in any yeah. of the movies. You know, I think you're specifically talking about the Apatow yeah, right. wave in the late 2000s. And it's not like there are a ton of female comedians or mm-hmm. not even comedians, but women who are funny in movies, which is what Jennifer Aniston does like there aren't being roles offered to them those movies aren't being made or sold so yeah. you don't know what the other path is exactly yeah i think that's so true it's not a super cool list of movies <laughs> no. you know what i mean right yeah and there is this kind of basicness for lack of a letter better word that even like wanderlust like that's a david wayne movie yeah but it's like one of the worst david wayne movies and it's like his shot at broad humor Right. Like, it just doesn't work. It's just kind of an interesting comparison with, say, Brad Pitt, who then Mm -hmm. goes through the Brangelina thing and starts making, like, the assassination of the uh, coward... What is it? Jesse James. Yeah. (laughs) By the the coward Robert Ford. By the coward Robert Ford. Too many names. Really too long. And working with directors. And Angelina Jolie, who starts positioning herself Mm -hmm. as a sort of... Uh, humanitarian and only making action movies and Jennifer Aniston kind of she actually she she probably wins the public vote right in terms of having the most things seen and having the most people who are like hey that's my person I don't know that like that's a it ends up not being a good thing weirdly like winning in a way like winning that public vote it it's almost like a vote of sympathy and right. like leaves her in a worse spot. Well, maybe it leaves her in a worse spot creatively. Yeah. And it definitely leaves her in a worse spot emotionally. I have I feel like we've talked about the the famous 2006 Vanity Fair or 2005, I'm sorry, Vanity Fair cover in the white shirt many times mm-hmm. where she opens the door for the writer Leslie Bennett's and bursts into tears. Yeah, And she talks about how there was a sensitivity chip missing in Brad Pitt's. Great quote. Yeah, that's the all-time quote. And it is and it is her saying this was really hard for me and playing into the, the sympathy card. But the I'm, I'm going to rebuild and 
you know, that's what we do, that this cover really works. Yeah. I would say, like, Jennifer Aniston is not really a modern celebrity. She's kind of an old-time celebrity in that she's dealing with all of this in public, but dealing with it in, like, very traditional ways. Yeah. And not not in, like, like, she doesn't, even to this day, she doesn't, like, have Twitter. She's She just joined Instagram, right. like, weeks ago. And she's going through it in a very classic way, which I, I kind of appreciate. No, I think it's really I insightful. I really like it. It is. It's an old school model. Yeah. And, you know, in 2005, the world was very different. But mm-hmm. it's true that she's stuck to it. Like, she figured out her brand, which is like, yeah. well, you know, I'm just trying like everybody else had some hard moments, had a marriage that didn't work out, and I'm just <laughs> going to keep trying to make movies that, enjo- that people enjoy and, you know— She's not asking for pity, but asking for sympathy and just like she's she's trying just like everybody else and has kind of been content to let that narrative turn along, which it has. If you keep scrolling through the Us Weekly stuff, even the coverage of her relationship with Vince Vaughn, which is the most hilarious <laughs> footnote. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do. And they, She had to actually deal with this and be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Then she dated John Mayer, which is actually, uh, this is a really interesting case study because dating John Mayer is actually not being like, I'm just going to sit in my room and yeah. and opt out of society. That's dating like a known uh, womanizer, <laughs> yeah. especially in this era. This is in the Jennifer Aniston, Jessica Simpson, Taylor right. Swift, like not it's, yeah, making it's in the great heart of headlines yeah. era. Yeah. But it's still... The, I guess the benefit of the Brangelina stuff is that when she ends her relationship with John Mayer, it's um, will Jen ever find a man who's nice to her? Exactly. Yeah. It's she, It just continues this sort of tone. She manages to get everybody on her team mm-hmm. for lack of a, you know, we don't agree with the pitting women against each other, but that is kind of what happens. She plays it that way and she kind of makes non-threatening movies. Yeah. And you know, endorses smart water, which is like of literally every single (laughs) endorsement that you can possibly do. Okay, water, that's fine. Right. That's a good one. And then a vino. Lotion. Yeah. Yeah. But like affordable, accessible drugstore lotion, nothing super serious. I actually worried about her when she endorsed Emirates with a kind (laughs) of... Yeah. That ad campaign, right, (laughs) is not as relatable and approachable. And I was like, Jennifer, what are you doing here? (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's a really interesting old-fashioned way of being a movie star or a TV star. But she, I guess she's a movie star for, like, 15 years. Yeah, she filters through sort of, like, old-school old gatekeepers. Right. Um, whereas, you know, I think newer celebrities kind of just do it all themselves. Right. And that works for her for basically a decade. That's, uh-huh. wh- that's where we've been yeah. in Jennifer Aniston land. Even as recently as Murder Mystery, which is a— a terrible uh, movie on Netflix filmed on location in Europe that I and many other people watched because at some point it's just like, oh, look, you're yeah. you're on the Amalfi Coast. Great. I'd love to be, too. It seems like they had a great time. It seems like they had a great time. <laughs> I mean, them. and that's basically, like basically her brand. That's yeah, what she's doing. Totally. Until the Here morning show. Here we are. Good morning. I'm bringing you some sad and upsetting news. First and foremost, I, want I am to a journalist. I can feel what the world needs. Guess what? America loves me. I'm just here to deliver the news to America. That's that's all I ever wanted to do. People get their horrible news delivered to the palm of their hand. Don't you ever question my integrity in my own house again. I feel that people are screaming for an honest conversation. I can guarantee that you are underestimating I think they want to know the person behind the picture. I have to fight back. Not listening. I push. It's just my You are part of this family. I don't want to be right. And they all want to win. We are doing this together. They want to trust that the person that is telling them the truth about the world is an honest person. I want to talk about the morning show as a show. Mm-hmm. Okay. But first, I want to talk about the decision for Jennifer Aniston to be on the morning show because it is the first time that she is on TV in like a regular yeah. television role since Friends, yeah. where she started her career. And obviously, the significance of... TV and movies and being a... St- she has she kind of skated those correctly. She is on a right, hit yeah. sitcom on a network when that still mattered in the 90s, transitioned to movies when people only take movie stars seriously as one of the only people 
who ma- has managed to make that transition yeah. successfully. Some might argue that she's, well, <laughs> she and George Clooney are interesting because we take George Clooney more seriously as a movie star, but maybe she, like, he hasn't made, movie quality-wise, they could go head-to-head. Yeah, yeah. And now she's going back to TV, but on Apple+, Plus, which is, like, she's helping launch a prestige streaming network. Is that what fair to say as positioning goes? Yeah, it's fair. And Apple is certainly using this show specifically as sort of their flagship. Yeah. As sort of like the we're here and we're serious about making TV. Yes. And it is def- it debuted on the launch of the service. They've used it as the promotion. Jennifer mm-hmm. Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, her co-star on The Morning Show, have been at all of the Apple events. They are like they, not only did they sign on to do this TV show, but also to help promote the product yeah, along big with it. Time. Huge. So one reason that you would do that is because both Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon are reportedly reportedly being paid two million dollars an <laughs> yeah. episode, uh-huh. and I believe it's a guaranteed twenty episodes. So that's yeah. forty million dollars. So that's forty million reasons to do this. Sure, and that's legitimate. Totally. Beyond that, it's a pretty fascinating choice because Jennifer yeah. Aniston sure seems like she was happy just. You know, drinking smart water and making <laughs> yeah. easy movies and and floating into a slightly less scrutinized existence. You're very right. Like, this is uh, <laughs> not murder mystery. It's not murder mystery. It's a higher level of difficulty. It's a lot more work. Yeah, especially for her. I think she's got the toughest load to carry at least in the first three episodes that I've seen Mm -hmm. she has the hardest job of anyone on the show so far and it's very much in conversation with the idea of Jennifer Aniston yes so we'll keep spoilers to a minimum here Andrew and I have only seen the first three which have been publicly available since Friday you know in a way you can't spoil it but I encourage you to seek if you've listened this far I encourage you to seek it out the basic gist is that The Morning Show is based on Brian Stelter's book about The Today Show. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer Aniston is playing essentially a Katie Couric-esque character. Yeah. She's playing the host of a show that is very much like The Today Show. And there is a the hosts are Alex Levy, played by Jennifer Aniston. And Mitch can't even remember his last name. <laughs> because he is fired in the first episode for uh, sexual misconduct. There's a mm-hmm. Me Too plot, and he's played by Steve Carell. But the the Steve Carell character is fired, and so the show, the morning show, is about Jennifer Anderson's character and how the public is going to feel about Jennifer Anderson's character mm-hmm. and the long relationship that Jennifer Anderson's character has had with the public and the yes. trust and the fact that they are family and will that be ruined? And can she uphold that? Right. And does she want to uphold that relationship? Or does she feel stifled by that relationship? Mm-hmm. And is it fi- time for Jennifer Aniston's <laughs> yeah. character to finally express herself in all her vodka chugging, yes. cursing, stumbling around the <laughs> studio in the middle of the night ways? Exactly. And you can't help but think of actual Jennifer Aniston when they're talking about the public persona stuff, which is a major part of the show. It's all right on the surface. Yeah. Like, it's all very much there. So I think it's kind of fascinating at this point to take a job to just be like, I'm not your sweetheart anymore. I want to let my light shine. If you had to say, like, why now? Why? Mm-hmm. Like, what? I mean, besides the the gigantic paycheck, like, what makes her want to put herself in this? Well... I will say, this show's not very good. (laughs) This show is unbelievably watchable, and the show's not very good. And the writing in particular tries for a Sorkin level of idealism and explaining issues while and ratatatness that just Mm -hmm. Aaron Sorkin is one of a kind, and the show does not get there. But I think Jennifer Aniston's pretty good in it. She is. Do you think that's a controversial take? Maybe a little bit, just because of, <laughs> just because of the the show itself. But like, she is doing a really good job. Especially, I thought like her work in the third episode when they go to the whole the the gala and then the aftermath of the mm-hmm. gala. Oh yeah, is, like really impressive. And like, she is sort of towing this line of like 
woman who is all powerful and in control and woman who is about to lose it completely. Yes. And she's doing a good job. Like, I, I think it, she is acting well and it's a good look for her. Exactly. And I kind of think she was de- involved in the development process. I think that was a major part of yeah. her signing on to the yeah. show. I believe she's a producer. I think she's worked closely with the second showrunner that they hired. There was some showrunner mm-hmm. drama, which is always a sign of, uh-oh. <laughs> and yeah. the uh-oh turned out to be true. But I I assume that she wanted to have a chance to do something good on her own terms. I mean, why else would you do it? Yeah, is this is this sort of like a FOMO thing? Like, look at all these other actors getting into it? I have to assume so. Yeah. Otherwise, I can't really rationalize it because she could have kept taking... <laughs> right, just- you know, Netflix comedy money mm-hmm. and Avino money for a very long time. Yeah. And everyone forever. would have been like, oh, Jennifer Aniston, great. I would love to watch this. So I I do think you have to read, especially the meta text with yeah. regards to Jennifer Aniston, as her wanting to engage with a part of her life and wanting to exert some control of her career and not just be, you know, the daffy person who used to be on Friends 25 years ago. Yeah, the show, the show... like makes you confront how you've dealt with Jennifer Aniston over the past two decades. And like that's has to be on purpose. Right. It also makes me ask a ridiculous number of unanswerable (laughs) questions, which I'm going to ask you right now. (laughs) You know, I think the way it's handling the Me Too stuff, I don't actually have any questions. I'm just kind of, it's it's not particularly nuanced. It's no. trying to be nuanced, and it doesn't know how to be nuanced. And it wants to ask a lot of questions about, yeah. do we treat all cases of sexual assault and harassment and um, the same way? Or should we be able to speak to each case individually? And obviously the answer is that we should be able to speak to each case individually, and also we should right. take them very seriously. And I don't know that like a, a morning show contract negotiation is Mm -hmm. the best way to explore those issues, even though it's obviously drawing on the real-life Matt Lauer case. Right, yeah. And, you know, I think you couldn't not, if you're going to make a show about the Today Show that is so closely about the Today Show, it's hard to avoid (laughs) that saga, but they are really leaning into it. (laughs) There's, yeah, there's some shots where it's like, oh, okay, this is Matt Lauer. I guess I'm, I'm curious to see how the rest of the season goes with that one. <laughs> As I said, it's very hard to do Aaron Sorkin, but I have more specific questions. And okay. most of them are about Jennifer Aniston's character. Okay. And they're, most of them are based in the first episode. So okay. it's okay. This is not really spoilers. Most of them, honestly, are in the trailer. Because the first thing that the morning show does, mm-hmm. and it, this is when I know that it's a show for me, <laughs> Is that it just does Jennifer Aniston as Katie Couric's morning routine. Yep. She's got the eye things. She wakes up at 3.30. She's got the eye things. She's got the uh, the jade roller. She's got the jade roller, which is great. Yep. I also, I recommend a jade roller. She's got a treadmill yep. in the morning, which is, are morning show people really working out at 4 a.m.? I don't know. That doesn't seem like the best <laughs> probably- cons- conservation of sleep and energy. Like, maybe yes. you should work out after your show. Yeah, totally. Whatever. <laughs> But then she showers, and then she blow dries her hair at (laughs) 4.30 in the morning before going to the show where there's full hair and makeup. How are we using our time? Why is she blow drying her hair eight minutes in? I'm so mad. This doesn't make any sense. How did this happen, Amanda? I don't really know. It is my understanding that... I mean, they do ask you, I believe, to come to hair and makeup with clean hair, but I think it's also, it can be like clean, damp hair, and sometimes yeah. people even do want damp hair. That's the behind-the-scenes knowledge that I have, which is obviously extremely limited. But I'm just like, from an efficiency perspective, this doesn't make a lot Don't, of yeah. sense. Okay. It doesn't make sense. Related to this, and I, there's no judgment, and it's really fun to see Jennifer Aniston drinking vodka at like a tremendous rate (laughs) and as long as you are drinking responsibly and being healthy for yourself I support anyone and all of their choices but just from a pure waking up at 3.30am and needing the face roller and having to be on TV at 7am she like drinks a lot for the face like your face gets really (laughs) puffy when you drink a lot and you have to wake up at 7 in the morning and there's just some continuity issues here for me the timeline of one of her binges, so to speak, makes no sense. Yeah. Like when she's, the one when she's walking through the hallways, it's like, what time is this happening at? 
where no one's at work, but also she's supposed to be there at 4 a.m. So it's like, what's this window? And yes, how is she going to be ready to work at 7 a.m.? It's just kind of like, it's more than a jade roller that's happening, (laughs) from what I can tell. Related to the timeline. Yeah. One of her plot lines is that she's renegotiating her contract with the network. Right. She's in the middle of the contract negotiations when the Me Too scandal breaks and then she is the only host remaining and Mm -hmm. has to, you know, help America's family or whatever nonsense she keeps saying over and over again. But she decides to reopen the negotiations at, I believe, like 4.45 in the morning and everyone (laughs) is awake. All the lawyers are awake. The lawyer's like, like, yeah, I'll make a call. (laughs) Yeah, what we need to do is have this like intense contract negotiation right now at 5.30 a.m. I need it done before I go on air at 7 a.m. What are these people (laughs) doing from 10 until 7 p.m.? You got a whole day. Well, like, use it. Yeah. Not everything needs to happen in the literal morning before the morning show. Presumably some of these people are in L.A. too, so it's even earlier than that. So that's really interesting. I I don't think that they are presumably in L.A. It's just filmed in L.A. And this this is a very classic supposed to be New York but filmed in L.A. show. (laughs) Yeah. No spoilers, but at some point, uh, some characters go to Barney's. <laughs> Let me tell you, I recognize that L.A. Barney's, okay? It was also in the famous West Wing episode where CJ goes to buy the Black Bear Wang, season three. Okay. Real heads know what I'm talking about. That is the Beverly Hills Barney's. It's okay. No shots. But, you know, they're never really, like, outside. They are outside really briefly, but they aren't walking on streets. They're just kind of standing in front of buildings that have been repurposed to look like New York buildings. Yeah. There's one shot where Reese is maybe in Bryant Park mm-hmm. or is just oh, in yeah. a thing that looks like Bryant Park. Oh, wait, that is Bryant Park. Maybe they did like s- some specific spot locations yeah. in, Bri- in New York. That's the only one I can think of okay. that might have actually been shot in New York. Yeah. I, anyway, the timeline doesn't work. <laughs> I also have some questions about Jennifer Aniston's character and whether she's divorced or not because she's divorced. What is going her, on? There? Her ex, she has a daughter yep. who she seems to have a great relationship with. Although I think this daughter has a potential annoying kid. Oh, interesting. I think she could okay. go there. Let's, just just the, <laughs> the mom, what is wrong thing I, from episode three? She does pop up she randomly. and I don't, what, So she's in boarding school? Yeah, I okay. think so. Right. But then. Jennifer Aniston has a British husband who is, like, always in her apartment, but it seems like they're divorced, but then he's always there, and they have a very amicable relationship. Yeah, they seem to be separating, but then also, like, intermittently cuddling and kissing and having actually good relationship. I don't know what to make of that. It hasn't been explained. (laughs) It hasn't been explained at all. And I don't really know what I'm supposed to take away from Jennifer Aniston being like, yeah, this is how I want to model a marriage and or a divorce. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's better than total contention. Yeah. I mean, it's it makes for better viewing experience. Yeah. But it's really confusing. I would like to know more about what his situation is. Okay. He seems very available. I do feel like there are so many questions on this show mm-hmm. that it— is actually very fun. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to watch. We were saying, like, just before this started, that it is a spectacle. And that's sort of how I'm viewing it. It's it's just, like, so much money put into it mm-hmm. and so many people in it. You've got, I mean, beyond Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, there's Billy Crudup. <laughs> There's, Amazing. I love Billy Crudup so much. He's really he's he's, he's having a blast. I mean, he's doing like spotlight Billy Crudup on the show, except that the issues yeah. that he's dealing with are not quite as well, there's they are related to the issues in Spotlight, but he's more focused on can we rebuild a morning show? He's and absurd. so he just gets to be a little sneaky oh and have fun with it. He's having a great time. Yeah. Mark Duplass. Sure. Mark Duplass is playing a similar role in Bombshell which was just like a mm. very interesting mini Mark Duplass moment. It's um, just like a guy that you put papers in front of and he just sighs. Yeah, exactly. At a news yeah, studio. Right, yeah. Very strange. Uh, Mindy Kaling as oh, that's right. a competitor. Well, I think the original version of this show, Mindy Kaling was going to be more in the mm, show. Yeah. I might be making that up at this point. No, that sounds It right. has gone through a couple evolutions. Like I said, they did have yeah. multiple showrunners, I think. Several different drafts of scripts. Mm-hmm. 
So maybe she was supposed, maybe it was supposed to be like a morning show news anchor war. Yeah. Or maybe it will be that way. Maybe it will be know? that way. Um, Steve Carell, obviously. Yeah. Just gray as can be. He's doing his best. Yeah. They just have him in a room yelling morality clause like 80 <laughs> different ways. They're just crying, make trying to make Keurig it's, coffee. It's a choice. Yeah. I don't know if it's the most developed of characters. Though, again, only seen three episodes. Mm-hmm. Who can say? I guess here's my question. If this show is bad. Mm, which it is. Which it is. It's it, In terms of, like, technically poorly made show, it is it is not good. Yeah. Does that matter? And specifically, does that matter for Jennifer Aniston? Uh, I think what matters way more is, is she bad in it? Mm-hmm. And I think she's not, you know? Right. Is morning show bad is less of a of an issue than are people going to watch morning show? Right. And I think a lot of people are. I think so as well. I mean, I kind of think that the the Instagram incident where she joined Instagram just yeah. to promote this show and then yeah. instantly, like, what, 12 million people followed her uh-huh. and she, quote, broke a Guinness <laughs> World Record for sure. the – I don't even know what the record is because <laughs> it's like the, everyone is promoting themselves in this sentence. But it was notable that on a platform that typically skews to younger people – Yeah. Or I guess middle-aged people. Instagram's for middle-aged people and TikTok's for young people, but whatever. <laughs> she is still extremely famous, mm-hmm. and this is a very high-profile show. And I think as long as it as people watch it, it counts as a success for her. Yeah, that's like it hasn't gotten very good reviews. No, like to put it to put it nicely. But I don't. I don't know. I like. Is a show being poorly reviewed at this point where no one really knows what a good show is? Like, I don't think that matters as much. It does also feel like this show being reviewed exists in a totally different environment from the people who are going to turn on this show on Apple Plus. And be like, huh, Jennifer Aniston, who I loved in Murder Mystery, and he's just not that into you, (laughs) and who I watch every week on Friends because Friends has had a second Mm -hmm. life on the streaming networks, and there are a lot of people who just watch episodes of Friends every day, will turn it on and be like, well— I like Jennifer Aniston, and we haven't really even talked about Reese Witherspoon because I talk about her so much, and we're more (laughs) interested in Reese Witherspoon, but Reese Witherspoon also made her draw on the show. Can I ask you one thing? Yeah. Why is she dressed as Olivia Benson from SVU in all of the episodes? Oh, that's interesting. She's doing this weird leather jacket. That's a great question. I assume that they make this a plot on the show that there is— outfit testing for both of them. But I assume that there was also outfit testing for Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon in real life so they could differentiate and they weren't wearing the exact same things. And Aniston has the the business dress Mm -hmm. Today Show look on lockdown. That's clearly what she's going for. And, you know, wearing a lot of scarves and neutral sweaters and stuff (laughs) along with her well-fitted dresses. So they have to find something in opposition to her. And then... I guess they're just SVU fans. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people are. Yeah. Seems That's like a reference thing. point. It's another extremely mainstream popular show that no one takes very seriously. But guess what? Right. Lots of people watch people and watch love it. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there, there's different measurements for success. And I think this one is it's going to be watched, you know? Do you think it changes people's perception of Jennifer Aniston? Is this like a phase three for her? Hmm. Uh, I don't think think so really it it kind of just seems like like a not a footnote but sort of like a a prologue I don't know yeah like that's an interesting way of putting it like it's just it's forcing people not to like consider a new Jennifer Aniston but to like reconsider the old Jennifer Aniston that's very smart it does feel old school in a lot of ways it it feels like honestly a little old it's not for I, you know, I'm aware of my age and mortality when I watch the show, which I think is part of the point. But mm-hmm. also, like, you know, 30 year and 40 year olds deserve TV shows too. Like, yeah. we exist, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but I think you're right. It's not exactly like they reinvented TV with mm-hmm. this. Like, yeah. I, and I don't think, I guess that's not probably not what Apple Plus or even this show was trying to do. I don't think so. And at maybe all. not what Jennifer Anderson was trying to do. I think you're right that it is engaging with the idea of Jennifer Aniston from past years and it's probably like a nice 
it's not like a brand refresh, but it's kind of no. like, remember me? Exactly. You like yeah. me. Yeah. And, and it's like, I'm good, too. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm good. And I think about stuff, too. Yeah. And And I've thought about our relationship, and we're going to be friends. Right. And you're still going to want to buy Smart Water from me. <laughs> yeah. I Sprint Water did not sponsor this podcast, but, <laughs> no, but. It, it, you know, Jennifer Aniston has really, really been selling that Smart Water for, for 20 so years. Long. She'll still be for selling so it when TV doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I really felt like I left this podcast experience and morning <laughs> show with a renewed respect for Jennifer Aniston, which is not what I would have expected when I started it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I. Are we taking it too seriously? Taking the witch, Jennifer Aniston. I know I'm taking the morning show too seriously. <laughs> yeah, like we are taking the morning show but way also, too seriously. But also I'm not. Do you want to have fun watching TV? Then watch the morning show, okay? If you yeah. want to watch, you know, long tracking shots and more people getting executed, then watch anything else on any other cable network. And if you want to be like, what is happening? And why do they keep making this Gilmore Girls joke that I don't understand, <laughs> that is never explained, then you oh should watch God. the morning show and then you can add me on Twitter and we'll have a nice time. So I think I'm taking it the right amount of serious. It's fun. Like, I think it's so bad. And like the first time I watched it, I was like, Ooh. Like, who asked a robot to make a TV show? Literally, yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, the more I've watched it, the more I've, like, found myself having, like, this weird sense of enjoyment. Yeah. So, you know, who cares? <laughs> like, it's whatever. Enjoy it. Honestly, a pretty good summation of Jennifer Aniston at her career. Yeah. There I mean, we go. Friends, friends. Like, friends. Not the best, but you know what? People enjoy it. You know what? Don't overthink it. Yeah. It's kind of where she has been oh, and and now where we are. Yeah. And the morning show is there to further that for 10 <laughs> hours coming soon to you. Andrew, yeah. any last thoughts? Uh, chaos is the new cocaine is just something that I want to say. I agree. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> Shout out Billy Crudup, my hero. <laughs> Andrew, thank you for indulging me. Ah, uh, yeah. Thanks thank for you for me. reading a lot of bad uh tabloid stories from I had the 2000s. A great, I had a great time. It I was, do recommend if you're curious about that, go go do some research. It's worth it. It's, it's worth it. it. Yeah. It's fascinating. It'll help you remember what we participated <laughs> in and possibly how your brain was shaped. Yeah. So you too can take back your narrative like <laughs> Jennifer Aniston is taking back hers on the morning show. We will be back on Wednesday with Jam Session, Tea Time on Friday, and as always, we will be here on Ringer Dish for all your pop culture needs. Talk to you soon and thank you. <laughs> 